This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my co-host, who's definitely not a loser, it's Jan. Hello, Jan. But I like being a loser in the big game of life. No, I'm afraid not. Not for the, not for the context and purposes of this episode, anyway. I live in a uh, what do you call it, a, a, a state that takes care of minorities and stuff like that. I mean, like it's, it's a loser, you get all stuff for free. And, yeah, no, 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 no. We're gonna be user and loser, and you can be the user. I'll be, the, I'll be the loser. That's that's totally fine. When you have the sun right. behind you, how can you be a loser? Well, there is that. It is nice and bright and sunny here at the moment. <laughs> we are talking about reasons why you would be a user, and therefore not a loser, of open source software. And we're, we're coming at this from the, the context of uh, a survey that was done. Uh, in, if you've uh, listened to a couple of our previous episodes, you'll, you'll know the inspiration behind it. But it's it's interesting to see sort of a lot of these reasons are things that kind of make sense and resonate to me. But it's interesting to see like how close uh, in terms of sort of or how evenly weighted a bunch of these things are uh, about why people care about them. And then it seems to kind of drop off quite, quite quickly. I mean, that's a good thing, right? If you only have a single unique selling point, it means you're mm. very uh, imbalanced and in danger of being obsoleted at any given moment. Having a yeah. nice spread like this does give it a good basis of uh, longevity. Yeah. So if we if we think about like the first the first couple here, we'll start off with the, the number one, um, which completely makes sense to me, is kind of access to innovations and the latest technology. I think it's generally sort of open source technologies are, you know, for the most part, considered to be pretty cutting edge in, in what's happening in any given technology or industry. People kind of collaborating, coming up with cool ideas, releasing them out into the world. Things like makes the sense to me. Uh, old and defunct games uh, repository. <laughs> No, okay, before I uh, agree with you here, uh, just on a note, just like last time, that this survey does have some bias in there. The survey has been asked of users of open source, mm -hmm. how they're using open source, because uh, access to innovation for open source savvy environments, yes. Yep. For environments that are not in open source yet, adding open source will, it'll take some time before the benefits become visible, because you will have mm -hmm. to change ways of thinking, ways of doing things, uh, expectation management, things like that. So while I, would, I agree that for open source companies, well, once you're in open source, you're in that mindset of I'm going to upgrade, it's iterative, it's going to keep popping up every, every month, something new appears, so you need to keep in there. And that I do think fosters a better brain activity being ready for mm -hmm. new and unexpected things and not expecting things to never fall over which means you also have things in place to cap catch things if they fall over well, yep. in a more closed source environment well every one year you get an update and the vendor will install it for you and take care of it for you and <laughs> you're paying a lot of money for it so it damn well might work well i mean it's a totally different thing of looking at it there of course yeah yep and of course, the innovation technologies, everything with AI these days is, well, that's actually a good one. Because at the moment, we're looking at this whole chat GPT and Dali a couple of a while ago and stuff like that coming from mm -hmm. open AI. But it isn't open source, is it? No. 
<laughs> I mean, it's usable. You can, as a normal purple person, use it. Uh, but I haven't seen the actual code. No, obviously the power of those things is in the trained data sets. So actually yeah. it's more of the time spent and the data they use to train the thing and then a bit of tweaking it. The algorithm itself, well, the neural networks, they might have done some secret source on top of it, but that the core is open source, yes. But we are looking now more, I mean, if compared to, with like two, three years ago where everything was open source, whenever somebody did something new, it got kind of published so people could mm -hmm. hack it and improve upon it, things like that. But OpenAI, despite the name, does seem to be a new kind of open, but not open source. Mm. It's free. It's a, it's a different thing again. Yeah, uh, I I think there's there's a few there's a few things that contribute to that. I think one of them is exactly as you're saying. Like it's it's not so much the um, the, the the model as itself as such it's the 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 data that goes into training it and the the way it's curated and tweaked and tuned and all that sort of thing that that makes as much of the impact but i i also think that there's a there's a real focus on keeping or attempting to keep things that way because i think people that have started a lot of this revolution are very interested in seeing how seeing how long they can basically keep the genie in the bottle for want of a better phrase um and what to me will be interesting is you know who are the first people that are going to release the genie from the bottle who are the the first people that are going to come up with something that is truly open and then will you as as we've seen you know a number of times in uh you know, open source versus closed kind of things in the past you know, it is not unusual for things to maybe start uh, a new trend or something else in a new space, and maybe someone spins that up in a in a proprietary or closed way. And sometimes it can take an open source alternative a while to um, get to that same sort of level. But often, in the longer term, it's the open source solution that ends up out accelerating, out competing, and and sort of becoming more of a de facto standard in the longer term. And I think with these kind of AI-based solutions, we're at the very earliest stages of a lot of this. So I'm I'm curious to see what the first truly open um, competitor to these kind of systems might look like. Yeah, if they ever come, because again, you need huge environments to build things like ChatGPT, uh, mm. and these are being built as you said, not for sharing purposes, but for monetization purposes. Yeah. This isn't bad. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, People no, make money and that's how the world, how, that's why I get paid in the end. Yep. <laughs> so that's not a bad thing, but it is different. And yeah, I mean, on the one hand, they are reusing open source to build the thing because I don't think they have invented a new kind of machine learning or neural networks. They're still using CNNs or whatever they're using. Yep. It's just that, yeah, the thing they built with it, yeah, it doesn't have to be open source, but having OSS in your organization, well, things like OpenAI, your closed source brethren will have just as much access to it than you. Mm. Will it make a difference that you have the mindset of open source versus not having that mindset? Um, I don't, well, maybe with this, because if you look at ChatGPT, they are mm. releasing quite uh, at a fast clip. I mean, version yeah. four just got released uh, when we record yeah. this. So they are really every couple of months improving this thing so yeah but i mean that 
that kind of ties in fairly nicely to like the, the second point on the list, which is you know functionality available to improve development velocity. Like it is the fact that it, this and many other technologies, like developer productivity is generally speaking improved by people not having to reinvent the wheel from scratch, instead being able to consume whether it's library, you know, smaller things like libraries or larger things like entire, you know, content or platforms to to build on. Like if you don't have to build stuff from scratch and instead can can leverage things that uh, exist already, like why would you not? Why would you not want to, uh, you know, take that benefit? And on that one as well, I'm going to go back to the mindset a little bit because if you're a developer and you're used to using, I don't know, Visual Studio Code and .NET and everything is pre-built for you. I mean, remember Visual Basic, the Visual, mm. the, the Visual Builder thing, just drag and drop boxes, and now you have a website, you have no idea how it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I studied C-sharp, I always uh, went to the open source alternative and I refused to use all the automatic builders because I wanted to know how it worked in the inside. So you actually could build a good program. Open source kind of trains you to look inside the black box and that'll also improve your development velocity in the end. It's a bit of a learning curve, obviously, but once you yeah. do understand better how it works internally, it does allow you to build better things faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing here is like the top two ones are all about, um, you know, innovation and improvement and just, you know, doing things quote unquote better. Acceleration um, basically. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's like thirty, basically thirty-eight percent of of the people, and thirty-seven percent of the people said those one of those two yeah, things. I do think people are able to check more than one box here. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, either that, or we're talking about two thousand percent of people. Um, but like the third one is sort of getting getting back to the the roots. Or you know, you were talking earlier about stability and uh, and people sort of. Uh, having someone that they can, uh, you know, a vendor that they can rely on and, um, or not necessarily a vendor, but a community that they can rely on. So, and it's, it's stable technology with community long-term support, which is, you know, you, you're, you're out of that innovation or not necessarily out of that, but you're not as much focused on that innovation or doing things better or faster. You're, you're back to the you know, I need something that I know I can trust and I know is going to be here for the longer term sort of thing. Yeah, you say all that, but for me, this was the one that made my jaw drop because not so long ago, I was doing my job and having to defend the open source story just because this wasn't available because they saw open source as too chaotic. You have all these projects, I don't know what it is, it can't be stable, it pops up, goes down, it changes all the time. Long-term mm. support, I mean, there's no community, there's no, no business behind it. How can I be assured that this thing is still going to be around in a couple of years? Things have really changed on that front. And that's nothing to do yeah. with development and committing and things like that. But again, with open source becoming an enterprise business. Yeah, and I think just more mainstream. Like people are, people have become a lot more comfortable with adopting open source and integrating open source into their organizations, into their businesses over the last, you know, five years or more. Yeah, but still, I mean, doesn't it strike you as something that you, you five years ago would you have expected this to be a reason to use open source? <laughs> being no, because basically what I read here is being more stable than the alternatives, more yeah. long-term support than the alternatives. Yeah, I mean, 
that's basically why I went for, I don't know, you, you bought from a company with a brand reputation. So you made sure that, okay, if I invest here, I am safe for the next X amount of years. Yeah. This is, this is really, really amazing, I, I find. Yeah. But then, you know, the, we're, we're sort of back into the, the following one at 32% is now back to you know, fast moving, constant enhancements, releases, patches, and we're, we're back to that, that speed of that speed of development, that kind of way of doing things better, faster, uh, that iterative approach and that kind of almost sort of growth mindset to use a, uh, a slightly different term to describe how a lot of people think about um, sort of, you know, things changing on a regular basis, being able to adapt to the pace of innovation that's happening. Well, for a change, I'm going to be devil's advocate. I never do this. <laughs> but those two together, the stable technology and coupled with the fast moving, I mean, that's basically saying it's stable and chaotic at the same time. So maybe it's just a Stockholm syndrome. We are so used to it by now, we kind of given up on hoping on something not chaotic and we see chaos as stable. <laughs> <laughs> and also maybe the closed source communities have had to adopt a lot of open source things to be able to match that agility that open source brings. So a lot of the closed source things, I mean, look at uh, Windows, Microsoft Windows. I think if mm -hmm. there's one commercial product, everybody knows, I think it's Windows. Uh, it used to be one version every couple of years. I mean, it went from Windows 95 to Windows 98 to Windows 2000, things like that. And now, <coughs> Windows 10 and 11, every six months at, at least you have a, an upgrade and in between you have iterative approaches as well. So basically, the closed source has become just as unstable and chaotic as the open source. But at least with open source, because it's all in the open, you have more of a grasp on what's happening. Because when a new version of Windows comes out, nobody really knows what's going to happen there. Suddenly it's there and you get, hey, that's what it is now, adapt or die. With open source, there is a community. And if you want to and put the time in, you can actually have some influence in there. They're not going to listen to anybody. But if you do put the time in, then give yourself a bit of reputation in the environment. There are ways of staying on top of it. So yeah, again, maybe together aren't as positive as I first thought. Uh, but that being said, I mean, both you and me, I think we've made a life in the chaos of open source. So I see this chaos as good. I mean, I'm, I'm always, uh, I've, I've live just sent you a link, which maybe you'll be able to uh, put up on the screen. But I, the, the thing that you mentioned always brings this, uh, this kind of particular comment, uh, comic uh, to my mind. Which is like this, uh, uh, this 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 person that's being told an update is available for their computer, <laughs> and like the Linux person is like, "Cool, more free stuff," and like the Windows person is, "Oh, not again! This is gonna like cause things to fall apart and break and not work." And uh, and the Mac user is, "Ooh, only ninety nine dollars." <laughs> yeah, I love the way that the, the Mac user is actually happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it's only $99. They're not being forced to buy a brand new machine because uh, their thing's been end of life. Um, but I, I think there is, there is an element like to this that yes. really, I think, does resonate. Like people... It's mindset. That are, yeah, like it is that mindset. It's like, oh, like I, I, you know, I, I update my machine, my sort of, my, my or my machines, I should say, my Linux machines, like, fairly regularly and it's like oh 
ooh, new updates, new fun things, new things, new things <laughs> happening. And like I, I very rarely see any form of instability or uh, problems or changes from any of this like continual rolling of, of updates that come through. Um, now, is it is it without peril? Like absolutely not. Have I uh, done things in the past that have uh, you know left me in a position where I've had to spend some time scratching my head and figuring things out? Of course I have. That's called but, a total reinstall, by the way. <laughs> rarely, but occasionally, sure. Um, I mean, on Windows, the, whenever a new Windows version comes out, do it reinstall or forget it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so yeah, no, this, uh, I think, yeah, to me at least, this uh, this mindset I think is is like uh, amusing, but I think quite true. It's also how it's being used, right? I mean, Windows systems. I mean, I use my PC every day. If that thing is out for like four hours because of problem, I have a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Linux I'm using is all server based, and I'm not installing every new update when they come out. Oh, didn't didn't you hear that, uh, that last year or was it the year before? Was it the year before that was the year of the Linux desktop? One of those years was definitely. No, it was the, the year, year before the that. Desktop. Last year, <laughs> this year, and next year. It's, it's, con it's continuum. Uh, no, but you're saying. I mean, the problem for me is that uh, this beautiful web, uh, this beautiful um, um, podcast we're making is actually being served from a server in a data center in uh, Amsterdam, which is from where I am over an hour drive. Now, I do remote upgrades, and whenever I do that, it's the <laughs> put your fingers in your ears, close your eyes, and hope it comes up again. And if everybody here, listeners, if you have super micro hardware, you know how long it takes for that BIOS to come up. <laughs> yeah. But that's also a reason that I upgrade a bit not as often as this happy person yes cool more free stuff but that's also because i don't need cool more free stuff it's a server mm. that's a very dedicated thing it has a wordpress site it does the mp3 sharing it doesn't have to do it's a fit to purpose machine yeah. so that doesn't mind there so and i mean windows users don't have that because windows server yes it exists uh, should it <laughs> other people's decide. <laughs> That's another question entirely. Good thing yep. that Mac server doesn't exist anymore. At least that those have accepted that server is not for them. So, um, uh, and if if you uh, if you haven't watched it yet, there was a yeah, using LTT <laughs> um, uh, video on uh, Linus uh, poking, but not not poking fun at, um, like curiously poking at uh, one of the last uh, Apple servers that was ever produced. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that their hard drives are just simple, Hitachi, whatever, hard drives, but a special hardware, uh, special firmware on the hardware, so you couldn't just upgrade yep. the disk. Come yep. on. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Hey, it works. It does. And you know what else works? I think that's a hint that I'm doing the outro. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that, indeed. yes, that is all the time have for today, unless Dave has anything else to add, any final words? Nope, nothing else from me. Then you can support this podcast. You can become a patron. Contributions do help us keep this fun stuff in the air. We are on YouTube. If you are watching us on YouTube, you could have seen all the nice gesticulations we did and facial expressions. If you're not, you're missing out, trust me. Or maybe not, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you can still like and subscribe, hit notification bells, and do all the YouTube stuff. You can also go to www.roaringelf.org. There's links to the Patreon page, YouTube page, and other stuff we present from time to time. And you can send your feedback by email to podcast at roaringelfant.org. 
Until next time, my name is, I guess I need an upgrade because my creativity has gone a little bit down. Yum. And my name is Cool More Free Stuff Dave. <laughs> I didn't want to steal that from you. <laughs> we'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. See you then. Bye.